Thanks for that, Luke. Uh, some some really profound words in that song. Um, and speaking of profound words, we're going to hear a few more from Revelation. Um, my name's Harry, if I haven't met you, and I'm going to read the Bible for us this evening. Um, the Bible passage that I'm reading is going to be from Revelations chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through to 11. So if you want to turn there and follow along with me, it'll also be up on the screen as well. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Amanda, and I'm looking forward to meeting some of you who I obviously have not met yet. Um, I'm one day a week as spiritual care pastor here, and I'm Nick's wife, Nick being the senior pastor. And we've been here nearly 10 years in Kew Baptist, and golly, the years, um, like Luke, you were saying you've been here for a while as well. It's amazing. And by the way, thank you. That that song is so for this Bible passage tonight, and it was beautiful. And so I'm really looking forward to getting into this, what seems a very small passage tonight, but wow, does it pack a punch. It's great. So love letters from God. Last week, Nick gave us a great message about the letter from the risen Christ to the first of the seven churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. This first church was in the grand city of Ephesus and Jesus pleaded with the people there to come back to their first love for him. Remember when he said they'd become a loveless church, a loveless church, how sad. He was sad about that. And on the front of this study booklet, and I want to mention this at the end, but if I don't, this is really great what Nick has put together and during the week, it would be great if you could read um, just maybe the Smyrna bit from tonight or whatever. It doesn't take long and there's some pictures in there and it's really good and there's some good questions in there as well. But on the front, there's a man named Richard Borkham and he writes this about the book of Revelation. It is a work of immense learning, astonishingly meticulous literary artistry, remarkable creative imagination, radical political critique and profound theology. Well, I would like us to use our God-given remarkable uh, imagine, imaginations tonight and to go back in time to the first century or the late first century AD, a long time ago, to a dazzling city named Smyrna, about 79 kilometers from Ephesus. Now, Smyrna was founded by the Greeks in 1000 BC and destroyed by invaders in 500 BC. And it was rebuilt twice. And the second time, oh, wow. If you could just imagine, 
It is a well-planned modern city and it has a famous street of gold. And it has these wide streets. And as you walk down them, the stones have the most intricate patterns. These ancient artisans were astonishing. If you've ever been overseas, the mosaics that they've done, which would have been backbreaking, but the artistry is phenomenal. This city of Smyrna was incredible. It is referred to as the crown of Asia because at its centre is a high hill and around the summit there is a ring of beautiful temples dedicated to the gods of the day. And the temples gleam in the sunlight, making the hill look like a huge head with a crown on it, hence the name Crown of Asia. Smyrna is a port city and at the foot of Mount Pargos. It is wealthy thanks to a safe harbour. It has good trade, a fertile valley and a major road that leads to the far east. And this city is really loyal to Rome and it has been given great importance by the Roman Empire and most of the residents are very proud of this fact. So who lives there? Well, the population would be about 250,000 at this time. A large portion are Jews whose religion is actually accepted by the Romans at this time. They've been given exemption from taking part in any of the pagan festivals of Rome. Now, the Apostle Paul, the brave man that he was, founded a church here during his first missionary journey between 53 and 56 AD. So if we go a bit further now to the late first century when this letter is written, the population of Smyrna also has a group of very brave and precious souls, and they are called the Nazarenes. And they are called the Nazarenes because they believe in Jesus of Nazareth. Now, if these Nazarenes or Christians were considered a sect within Judaism, they would have received protection and rights. But the Jewish authorities are denouncing them to the Roman authorities because these Christians actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. So they're being persecuted and harassed by the Jewish authorities and by the Roman authorities because Domitian, have you heard of him, is the emperor of the day and he has made Caesar worship compulsory. It is now law to worship the emperor and what could this involve, you may ask? Well, once a year, every Christian, except for the Jews, would have to burn a pinch of incense, stand up straight and say, Caesar is Lord. And if they said this, they would receive a certificate, which meant they could get a job and earn a living. But you see, the Nazarenes or Christians, they refused to do this Roman ritual. And so they suffered immensely. Now you think for the sake of having a pretty good life, it was just a silly Roman ritual. Surely they could have just done their little pinch of incense and stood up and said it. Surely just pretended. No, no. Jesus was everything to them. So they suffered socially and politically 
and they weren't given this little magic certificate because they didn't say the three magic words, Caesar is Lord. And as there was no job keeper or job seeker in those days, like we have now, we live in an amazing country. When the going gets tough, well, these followers of Jesus have nothing. Some are destitute, homeless, they're starving. So Jesus, in this letter to the church in Smyrna, he has no negative criticism whatsoever. All he has is commendation for the courage and the faithfulness of these dear people amidst immense suffering. So Jesus says in verse 9, I know your affliction. The Greek word is Philipsis, do you say that 10 times, Philipsis? It means intense pressures, not just everyday stress, which can be horrible. Someone once said, it's as if you were made to lie on the ground with a huge rock placed on top of you, which is so heavy, it begins to slowly crush the life out of you. That's what was happening to the Christians in Smyrna. Jesus says, I know your affliction and your poverty. Well, the word here doesn't just mean, oh, you know, they get a few coins and they've just got enough for a little bit of food. There's no salvation army in those days either. It meant beggary, which means incredible poverty to the point of being starving and homeless, denied any freedom, decency or respect. Jesus says, I know your affliction and your poverty but you are rich. Well, it's obviously not materially rich, but they are rich because they depended on him for everything. They lived for eternal values. I I find that really quite challenging and inspiring. Now, it's been challenging for all of us during lockdown in Melbourne, and each of us carries burdens of some kind, maybe because of the pandemic or burdens, it's just life. And I can imagine, though, that most of us slept on a pretty good bed last night, that we've had food today, and that we're doing pretty well. And I wonder, do we really know what it costs to follow Jesus? What did the people of Smyrna really go through? And look, excuse me if some people like these mantras, but I get really annoyed at some mantras of the 21st century. This is some of them. You can become what you think you are. The other one is, did you ever hear this ad? Do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah. If I heard that one more time, this is narcissistic. And look, don't get me wrong. Yes, find who you are. Yes, dream. But, oh, please. There are books written, New York bestsellers, which give us 10 steps to a successful life. You can have health, wealth, fame, and happiness. You just need to change your attitude. You just need to think positive thoughts. Don't offend anyone. My gosh, that's hard nowadays. Embrace who you think you are. Oh my goodness me. And there are books too about how to have a successful church. The successful ones usually have a couple of thousand people at least in them. 
with no expense spared for the best lighting, the best musicians, the best celebrity pastor, everything. And even, I won't say which, but there was a church Nick and I went to once where there were, you couldn't go anywhere near the front because there were security guards to stop you for getting there because all the famous people had the seats in the front. Now I had a problem with this, but that might be just me. Oh. Anyway, these things are just annoying for me. And I think to myself, what about the man or the woman who has pastored a church of 10 people for years with all his or her heart, soul, mind and strength and who can't afford a home, who just does their best every day? What about them? They'll never end up in the papers, will they? They won't be deemed successful. What about the person in ordinary everyday life who's suffering depression and every day it's a triumph just to get out of bed? Wow. Just to put one foot in front of the other. That's a successful life. Life can be so messy and these abracadabra mantras to so-called success can be ridiculous and surfacy and empty And we end up just comparing ourselves with others and not seeing the beauty that God has placed in every one of your precious souls. That every one of you is different from everybody else. So it's sad when we can end up saying, I'm just a failure. Look at them. I just feel sad. I've no energy anymore to do anything. Why bother? How can God love me? I've made so many mistakes in my life. Why would he ever write a letter of commendation to me? If we were to pull back all of the expectations, all of the stuff, all of the self-hate, all of the chaos, pull it back and what we see is a heart and a soul that Jesus loves. If only we were to hear him whisper that to our souls. How is your soul tonight, that deep inner part of your being that maybe you haven't listened to for a long, long time, the one that God sees? How is your soul? Jesus then says to the believers in Smyrna, I know the slander you're experiencing The followers in Smyrna, they're being ridiculed for their faith. The loyal Roman citizens call them atheists because they deny the existence of the gods of Rome. When Jesus says, I know your affliction and your poverty, I know the slander. This isn't an intellectual, I know. He knows why, because he went through the same things. He was slandered. He was mocked, he was tortured, he had nowhere to lay his head. And as the author of this letter, Jesus walks in the midst of the seven lampstands, the churches, and he's walking amongst these dear people in Smyrna and he sees the deprivation, he sees the tears. He sees the cost. He sees the fear. He hears the cries and he hears their prayers. In verse 8, he says, I am the first and the last. 
the one who died and came to life again. It's like he's saying, I was here before there was anything to fear and I will be here when all the fear has passed away. I'm not going anywhere. I see and I know. So in verse 10, Jesus says these extraordinary words to the dear people of Smyrna. So do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. And just remember, they've already been without food and without anywhere to sleep. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will even put some of you in prison. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. Oh, this is a big ask. Thanks, Jesus. In other words... It's only going to get worse from here. And sometimes I wonder if the people read the letter and they went, really? We're going to die for you as well, Jesus, soon. Echoing in my mind now is the New York bestsellers of the 10 steps to prosperity and wonderment and joy. Wow, what a thing for Jesus to write. I find sometimes we can't put God in a square box. More often than not, he doesn't take away our problems. You know, there's unemployment, there's abuse, there's broken families, broken hearts, grief, loneliness. Oh my gosh, the Holocaust and its many horrors, the war after war after war after war. And it's amazing to me that the whole earth isn't drowning in tears from all the people who've cried. Just to encourage you, even Jesus was overwhelmed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested and he knew what was about to happen. Even Jesus cried, God, if this suffering could just be taken from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And what he was about to go through, I I can barely even go there. I make myself on Good Friday, but it's overwhelming. Jesus says in verse 10 to the church in Smyrna, be faithful even to the point of death. And Jesus was faithful even to the point of death. Interestingly, Smyrna means myrrh, which is a fragrant spice. And to get the fragrance out, the spice must first be crushed. So the richness of Smyrna's powerful testimony, I believe, came out of the crushing pressure of its suffering. So it sounds strange, but don't despise suffering. It sounds strange again, but there is a beauty in it that we'll only find out one day when we leave this earth and see God face to face. Jesus says, be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you a crown of life. Remember I said in the beginning that Smyrna was known as the crown of Asia. And Jesus, of course, knew this. He knew Smyrna. He knows Q. He knows where you live. He walks amongst us tonight. He knows. Smyrna was a key participant in the annual athletic games where the winner received a crown. So this promise was especially meaningful to the believers there. 
Even if they were killed for their faith, they would be ushered into glory, but this time wearing crowns that would never fade. There was a man named Polycarp who was the bishop of Smyrna, but a bit later in the second AD. And he was said to be a personal disciple of the Apostle John. And this is a true story. There was a great crowd assembled in the arena. Have you ever imagined the arena? I don't really want to, what went on there. But the big arenas, the amphitheatres in those days. And the people began to jeer and to shout to get Polycarp, get Polycarp, bring him into the arena because they knew that he was a man of immense faith. So they went and found him and they brought him back into this arena where there would have been gladiators fighting wild animals and all sorts of horrendous events occurring. Polycarp was 86 years old when he was brought into the arena where the proconsul of the day was said to proclaim, Polycarp, curse Christ and I will release you. And Polycarp replied, I have served him for 86 years. He has never done me wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The proconsul leant forward and says, come on, old man. Just say the words. Just pretend you mean it and I will release you. Polycarp replied, if you imagine for one moment that I would do that, then I think you pretend that you don't know who I am. Hear me plainly. I am a Christian. So on February the 23rd, 155 AD, the 86-year-old Polycarp was burned to death for his faith. There were approximately 5 million people martyred from 64 AD to 313 AD until the Emperor Constantine issued his edict to legalise Christianity. But there have been more Christians martyred in the 20th century than in the previous 19 centuries of church history combined. Did you know that? According to the World Christian Encyclopedia, in the age of tolerance, 2.2 billion people in 79 countries live under significant restrictions for their religious freedom. 225 million Christians live in countries where it is a crime to say the name of Jesus and to come together to worship him. So why did and do these people defy the authorities, even if it means death? Because like Luke sang in his song, Jesus was the blessing, not what he had to give them. He meant more to them than life itself. He wasn't like an appendage. He wasn't like someone in the Bible that we read about, a a good teacher, oh, a lovely man. Oh, he healed every now and again. They knew who he was and their very breath depended on him. And they knew that he was beautiful and he was precious. He was their treasure. So don't bother about the shiny things of the world, power, fame, money, reputation, comfort. He's the greatest treasure you could ever have.
Jesus, the one who calmed the storm when the disciples were terrified. Jesus, the one who healed the sick, the one who captivated those with open hearts, the one who breathed life and hope into scarred bodies and tortured minds, the one who caused those who truly saw who he was to fall at his feet, filled with awe and wonder, the one who is powerful and speaks with authority, and yet he was so tender and understanding of our fragility, the one who said in Matthew 5, blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. That's meant so much to me in the last couple of years, I can tell you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Even though our suffering at this time in our lives may be different from the suffering the Christians in Smyrna were experiencing, our burdens and our unique sufferings do not go unnoticed by Jesus tonight. And I believe he commends all of us today who have suffered patiently and quietly, maybe for many years, physically, emotionally, mentally or spiritually, you are commended by him. He knows, he sees, be encouraged today. He walks among you. I remember very clearly when Nick and I were on our study tour in Turkey, actually Beth, we were with your mum and dad on this particular tour. And I remember going to Smyrna And seeing the once great hill with its crown of shining temples, they were no longer there. In fact, it was amazing to look and see this once grand city with its street of gold, now nothing, with just ruins jutting out of the ground. The precious followers of Jesus, though, who lived and suffered in Smyrna, and the letter that Jesus wrote That was to them, well, they are now wearing crowns that will never fade. Standing in the presence of their and our true King Jesus. And I like to think that just maybe they can see us tonight, this great cloud of witnesses, urging us on in our lives to persevere and to be faithful to the end, no matter what the future may hold. I remember... Uh, going to Ephesus and Nick talked about Ephesus last week and we're all standing in the ruins of the once great amphitheater oh my gosh it was huge and I remember the the leader of the group said oh Amanda do you want to go in the center and sing a song and I went oh strike it was just wow and you know how in the center um, well you know I mean you may not have been there but they were so clever these ancients Um, there was this this little circle where they'd stand and they would stand there and there was no microphones so see if I can Can you hear me up the back? (laughs) But they would speak, and even if you went, people could hear you. And I'm talking, I mean, there was ruins, but the seats were still there right up high. So there would be poems recited in this space, and there would be people introduced, gladiatorial battles would be introduced here. 
And so this was the spot. And so I went and stood there and I sang Amazing Grace. And it was such a precious experience for me because as my voice reverberated, oh, it's unbelievable, this, just around the whole arena, I thought to myself, hmm, the Apostle Paul was in this arena. There are no Roman soldiers now to come and arrest me. There are no more gladiators fighting to the death. There are no more crowds cheering as Christians were being mocked and killed. There are no more Caesar as Lord rituals because why? There's no more Caesar. And though over many years so many Christians were almost crushed and hard pressed on every side, in the last 2,000 years, here we are. The mighty kingdoms and empires have passed away, but the little band of faithful believers in Smyrna did persevere and were faithful to the end under great sufferance. They surrendered their lives to Jesus and they told others about him and then they told others and it went on and on until here we are today, February the 28th. 2021, a little band of followers, flawed, vulnerable, carrying many burdens, but a people who are loved and cherished by the one who is the first and the last, the one who is alive and active, the one who will never decay or pass away the one who is coming back again someday and every eye will see and every ear will hear and every tongue will confess that this King, this Jesus is Lord of all. And if we were now a, um, well, a, I've gone blank, Pentecostal church, we would have all said, hallelujah. Sorry, I hope that wasn't too loud. Let me read that again. This is our truth, okay? The one who is coming back again, someday he will no longer be a gentle lamb. He's coming back like a roaring lion and every eye will see and every ear will hear and every tongue will confess that he, Jesus Christ, is Lord of all. Hallelujah. And more Caesars may be rising, more kings More leaders with evil intent are hiding away and rising and they may cause a lot of ruckus and they may cause a lot of pain to Christians, but they too will pass away. So what I want to say tonight, if Jesus is still on the edge for you, make a decision now because we all walk on this tightrope. And we don't know what's going to happen when we walk out this door. I don't want to be mournful or anything because life is wonderful and you're young and, and you dream and I want you to be joyful. But we don't know what's going to happen. And if Jesus is just a, a name in a book and if you think, mm, I don't know, I might just commit myself later. Tonight is the night when these dear people of Smyrna and everything they suffered Wow, it wouldn't have been easy. When they were deprived of food, they were starving, nowhere to sleep, and Jesus asks even more of them. 
be faithful even to the point of death. If we received a letter from the risen Christ tonight that said to us, be faithful even to the point of death, what would we feel? (laughs) Wouldn't be easy, would it? So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you beautiful people, I know it's easier said than done, but don't compare yourselves with the so-called successful of this world. Have that little seed in your heart. Open your heart. Pray to Jesus tonight. It doesn't have to be amazing words. Just say his name and know that he's with you. Know that he loves you. And every one of you has a purpose. Every one of you is known in heaven and you've been placed on this earth now because you're meant to be here. Let him be your priority. Let him put a fire in your heart and a song in your heart. Let us not be lazy, but let us wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I pray for your grace to be in my life today and that I will be a light for you. That if it comes to the point in my life where I have to choose death or life, that I will choose death because you are everything to me. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he sing over you and help you to persevere and to be brave and strong for he is with us and he will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Can we all just have a few moments of quietness as as we just close our eyes, bring our burdens to our beautiful Jesus. And I want to say, where's, there's a few of us sitting down the front here, if after the service or during the last song, you would like someone to pray for you, we would so love to pray for you. If you don't yet know the Lord and would love to know him, we would love to pray for you in this regard. If you need prayer for anything in your life that you are worried about or fearful about, we would love to pray for you. So let's just close our eyes just for a minute and then we'll sing our final songs.